0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another post game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to the YouTube channel Dime Dropper on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live or post a video. You can also find this episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe to Locked On Clippers on YouTube. And I will also do Clipper content there five days a week. Live from Los Angeles, as always. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime for your boy. Tonight we got a jam-packed live Dime Dropper fan. We got the Clippers Heat, which we're going to start with. We got Lakers Knicks. That's a big one. And then I'm going to be talking some soccer. Iran-Japan in the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup. You already know how much that meant for me. I'm about to get into that. And then taking a look at the African Cup semis, the four teams remaining, and the venues for the World Cup 2026 here at the U.S. with Canada and Mexico were announced today, so I'm going to be reacting to that. Big stuff. And everything will be time stamped. so if you're into certain subjects and not into others, you can get into that very quickly. But shout-out to everybody in the live tonight joining. Let's start out with the Clippers and the Heat. So... Miami, they've really been struggling of late, but they just won a game, they had a seven game losing streak and they just won two games, so I was a little bit nervous, not nervous, but you know, expecting a tough game and it was, but we got some good news today, Clipper Nation, we got some really good news, the return of Ivica Zubat's. So good to have Zubak. Honestly, earlier than I expected. He's played in 38 games this year. So he's missed 10, because we have played 48 games now. I mean, that's really not that much. I thought he would be ineligible. Like he would miss 18 games at least, and he'd be ineligible for any kind of defensive team or anything like that. But I don't think he's gonna make a defensive team. I just don't get he gets I just don't think he gets enough credit and I'd have to really sit there. He probably isn't deserving of that. But he's been a very good defensive center for us, and I'm just so happy to have him back. In this game, however, he did not look like himself fully. Clearly wasn't 100%. And minutes-wise, we didn't play him like he was 100%. He only got 18 minutes. He had four points, three rebounds on two-for-four shooting, no free-throw attempts. I thought he was good in the second half. First half, I don't really have much to say about him. Both teams... I thought were good defensively in this game, especially the first half. That was my takeaway from the first half. It was hard to score for both sides. It was legit. Both teams clamping down. You had good defensive personnel on either side. It was a nationally televised game, so you know people are going to play hard. And on the Heat side, you know, they were without Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, but they had, like, Josh Richardson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Haywood Highsmith, these guys in their starting lineup, Th- Terry Rozier, by the way, brand new Miami Heat, he was not hitting. So many good looks for him. He finished with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers. That stat-, stat line sounds really good, but 7 for 17 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3, 3 for 3 from the line in 38 minutes. And I'll tell you, just coming from the Clippers' perspective, I thought that Terry Rozier missed so many shots that I expected him to make, and I was just like, man... We're pretty fortunate he's missing. So I don't think he was really that good. But again, I am seeing things from a Clippers perspective, not the Heat perspective. But yeah, as I was saying, good defensive first quarter for both sides. It was straight up hard to score. You had Haywood Highsmith guarding James Harden a lot. It felt like I couldn't really tell who was guarding who. The Heat were like switching each possession. And as far as the Clippers, you know, we were switching one through four as well a lot of switching going on both sides on and off the ball and i think it was causing us some problems we had 6 turnovers in the first quarter uh as far as our defense you know mason plum you know Zubats is going to be in drop coverage mason plumley was also in drop coverage and we were down 5 to 16 but we went on a 14 to 6 run after that and you know with miami you're going to be seeing a lot of zone and they play all different kinds of zones Matchup zones. One look they had tonight or today was like a 1-1-3 almost. Like one guy picking up the ball, one guy behind him at the foul line to take away any high post threat. Very similar to what you saw against the Nuggets in game two last year of the finals. And I thought we did a decent job of breaking it, so to speak. But when I, I, I really emphasize decent, not that good. In the first quarter, the Heat were up 22 to 19. Second quarter, the Clippers outscored them 24-21. So it was a tie game at 43 heading into the half. Kawhi Leonard started to hit around the second quarter. First quarter, he had six points, but he was two for six. He played the whole first quarter. He was the only Clipper to play the whole quarter. Six points on two for six shooting. So it didn't exactly start the game really hot. James Harden, same thing, one for three. Paul George, one for three. I remember seeing that at halftime, Russ, Harden, and Paul combined were six for 20. Meanwhile, Zoo's rusty, and Russ, he came in and was just playing dumb. It's out of control, reckless, looking to shot hunt a little bit too much for me, slipping and falling on the ground. Uh, It was just, he was a little bit all over the place, and Let's see. Like in the first quarter, for example, he was one for four and had two turnovers in five minutes and 26 seconds. Like Russ was amazing the last two games. He's been playing really, really well. But in this game, he was just kind of out of control and his minutes were limited as a result. He only got 15 minutes in the game. And I'm not even talking about the second half disaster that was waiting to happen. And you know me. I'm always quick to give Russ praise when it's deserved. I thought he could have been the starting point guard of a contending team this year, which most people didn't agree with me, including the Clippers' front office. And when he does that, he doesn't make my argument any better. But it happens. You know, people have bad games. Harden just had a bad game last game against Detroit. Uh, Paul George didn't have a good game in this one, but defensively, very solid. And I think there was the same way I said against Detroit, I don't think anybody played good defense. I don't think anybody in this game for the Clippers played bad defense. So, The duality of the clips. But let me just say this. You know what the common denominator is? We won both games. We're winning. As I said, we are not just building winning habits. We're making winning a habit. We're finding ways to win. High scoring game. Low scoring game. Defensive minded game. Close game. Blowout. We are finding a way to get it done. And it is because we straight up have a super team. I don't know why people wanted to deny it. I really don't know. Because the way that we're able to get away with Harden, Kawhi, or Paul, mainly Kawhi, I mean, I'm sorry, mainly Harden and Paul, having bad games, Westbrook included, and still winning because we just have that much talent. Like, the hope, if you're the other team, is that two of the big four, sometimes three, because it's easier to limit Russ when he's not getting that many minutes. But if you can hold only one of them to a good game, Then you're in business. But it's easier said than done. Like you have to have a lot of good defenders one on one. It really comes down to that. So, again, ever since Russell Westbrook went to the bench, we are 30 and 8. 30 and 8. We are 25 and 5 in our last 30 since December 1st, which is the best record in the league. We are 33 and 15 after this game. 14-11 14-11 and 11 away from home, and we are creeping up on that one seed. But let's keep talking about the game. Second half. Did I miss anything? Let's look at how many points Kawhi Leonard had at halftime or in the second quarter. He had five points. So he only had 11 points at the, at the half. 11 points on four for nine shooting. I will say, though, two guys that came in and gave a good impact in both halves. Again, Norman Powell, the brewmaster Amir Coffee. Both exceptional, and I'll go in more depth about them in a second. But Daniel Tice actually was the odd man out with Zubat's back. And it was funny because when Mason came back, Mace was the odd man out. And now it seems like it's Daniel. I don't know if I like that. I was happy with Mason Plumlee's performance in this game. I thought he did a really solid job when he was guarding Bam and just rebounding well. I think they both have their pros and cons, but I think Tice has been better and he's makes, he's makes me more comfortable with what he can do defensively. But everybody was saying when I tweeted that tonight, uh, it looks like Plumlee's got the spot. Everybody was saying, I think it's going to be matchup dependent and I would tend to agree, but the heat goes small and we didn't play Daniel Tice. So I think that's a little interesting, but we'll see. I think Daniel Tice has been better, but Mace is a better rebounder and he's bigger. And he's a better vertical threat. He's a real lob threat. Uh, but anyway, I don't think he's a good defender despite the way he played on Bam tonight. Uh, he's gives me the least resistance around the rim of any of our bigs, in my opinion. I will say, though, there was one play he went up vertical nicely and Caleb Martin somehow threw the ball up and in on, off the glass in the second half. I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, Jimmy was hitting in the first half. PG was bricking. I thought Harden made some good passes. But overall in the first half, Harden only had 5 points on 2-for-6 shooting. Jimmy Butler had 9 points on 4-for-7 shooting. But the third quarter, this was, in my opinion, the most fun one. Kawhi was guarding Josh Richardson. Terrence Mann on Terry Rozier. James Harden on Haywood Smith. PG on Jimmy. And Zoo on Bam. And we were switching 1-4. through four. And I gotta say, I thought James Harden's defense in this game was the best it's been in a long time. In a lot of games. He did a great job defending Jimmy Butler when he was switched on to him, I think two or three times. He didn't score once. Great hands. Again, There was a nice classic Harden strip. Added Jimmy Butler to the Harden strip club. And just some solid moments of 1v1D contests. I thought he was exceptional in this game on both ends of the floor. And in the third quarter, that's when it really got going. James Harden was making a ton of good passes, whether it be in transition throwing out throwing up an outlet. Um, nice passes in the post, good reads in the pick and roll, finding the open shooters. I didn't think he over-dribbled in this game either. He did start to foul bait a little too much for my liking in the third, but he does seem to get every damn call. And I think it is really, really funny that James Harden played so well in front of Pat Riley, the godfather, one of my my coaching uh, idol. And, you know, Pat Riley was pretty adamant, and the Heat were pretty adamant that Plummer Jim was not a guy that they wanted to touch. Because of every reason that I didn't want him. Don't trust him in the playoffs. Don't think winning seems like the number one priority for him all the time. And we'll see if he's proven wrong. Of course, right now it definitely looks like it. Because the Heat need help and the Clippers have been flying. But we do know that with Harden, it's all about the playoffs. That people have their doubts. But that being said, as I always say, you usually need a great regular season or a good one. Top three seed to win the championship. Miami, Miami. When they went to the finals with Jimmy Butler, the first time they were a five seed, and the second time they were an eight seed. So that's not the formula to win a championship. And I was just on my cousin, who's a Heat fans show today, with a couple other Heat fans after the game, and I was telling them, like, you guys lack the regular season process. Like, the way they just bullshit through the regular season, and then Jimmy Butler just goes crazy in the playoffs, that'll only work for so long. Like, eventually you're going to play a team that has a guy that's amazing in the playoffs too. And has been playing well as a team all season. And that's what they run into with the Lakers and the Nuggets. So we'll see if it comes back to bite the heat later this season. But James Harden was really playing well in that third. And then Kawhi. It's gone to the point where every game I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like this guy is so fucking good. And he's on my team, the Clippers, poverty franchise that were the worst ever. We have a, ch- like he's proven winner. But the sa- I keep saying this, and I sound like a broken record. I can't, like, flex about this because he doesn't done a healthy postseason for us besides the bubble. Like, we have not really reaped the benefits. So it's so hard for me to just, like, be, like, bragging about Kawhi and talking about how great he is all time or, like, how good he is in the league because the pushback is obvious, and it's valid. It needs to happen for the rest of the season, and guess what? We are 48 games into the season. Kawhi has played 44 games. Paul George has played 45 games. Russell Westbrook has played all 48. And James Harden has played all 43, I believe, that he's been available for. 42, and I don't think they've added today's game, so it should be 43. Man, that is, yeah, it's 43. Absolutely big time absolutely big time. Health, that's the number one reason. I mean, of course we have the talent, but the health is the reason why we're doing so well. And Kawhi, I mean, the contested shots, turnarounds, the mid-range, the three ball, then the best part about it, they wanted to put him in the pick and roll. Oh, he'll switch on to Jimmy. He'll poke that ball away from behind. He'll come from the help side and block him. Here's the thing about Jimmy Butler. They both went to their new teams at the same time, their dream teams. Kawhi wanted to be a clipper. Jimmy Butler wanted to be a heat. Jimmy Butler has made it to the finals twice, has made it to the conference finals three times in four years. Kawhi Leonard has only finished the postseason healthy one of those four years, and we made a conference finals once. But guess what? Both of them are playoff risers, and it's very clear, very clear, who the better basketball player is. It's just so damn Clipper luck of it to be this way that they both went the same time and Heat fans now like adore Jimmy Butler, have all these postseason memories of him, and I've got diddly fucking squat outside of the Dallas series. But you know what I got? A better chance to see us take the Larry home than the Heat have ever had with Jimmy Butler. And I love Jimmy Butler. I had him in my top five going into the season because of his playoff performances. And I'm not adjusting my rankings until the playoffs. But Kawhi Leonard, I I went to the national broadcast in the fourth quarter to hear what they were saying. And, of course, it was my favorite guy in the world, JJ fucking baby dick. And, you know, who has great knowledge of the modern game, but he's an absolute terrorist when it comes to talking about anything before 2000. Uh, He was, Dave Pash, shout out to Dave Pash. He was pushing the Kawhi Leonard MVP hard. He was. He said, but he's doing this. He's doing that. He's playing D every night. JJ was saying that he's not in his top four probably. And you know what? I'm not actually going to hate on him for that take because, yeah, Giannis has been great. Jokic has been great. SGA has been really great. Anthony Edwards has been really great. Jason Tatum has been really good. I, of course, am going to go with Kawhi top four, but I'm also watching him every night. So, like, I'm going to go Jokic, SGA. Kawhi and then what? Giannis Brunson's been fantastic too, and Donovan as well. But I'm gonna go with those four. Those would be my top four. Sorry, Luca. By the way, like people that are advocating for Luca, he's not gonna win a MVP when he's not a top four seed. When Jokic is putting up those stats, the only way that Kawhi has a chance of being over to Jokic in the MVP is if the Clippers finish higher, probably with the number one seed. And what people need to understand is like Kawhi's defensive responsibility has gone up a lot since we traded Roko and Nicholas Batum. Like, since we got Harden, Kawhi has had to be like our main backside rim protector when the big man gets pulled out, like tagging the big man. And he's had to guard elite players. And he's doing it every game and he's not getting hurt. And he's like simultaneously is so easy to play with because he doesn't ball hog, he doesn't ball dominate. He doesn't even, he's not even aggressive enough shot taking wise a lot of times. But, Look at what he's leading. Like, there's no coincidence that he has one of the best winning percentages ever. But, of course, he always has been with great teams. Like, I can't lie. Like, if we want to talk about all-time greats with help, Kawhi has had a ton of help. Like, he always has had it. But I think that being able to mesh with everybody so easily on the basketball court is definitely something you got to take into consideration when you do these all-time debates. And, like, Kawhi is... My only criticism of Kawhi is that he doesn't talk enough and it's so annoying because we... He doesn't talk enough when it comes to like being the face of a franchise. I'm not talking about on the court. On the court, he talks plenty. I can hear him, uh, especially when he gets fouled. <laughs> hey! hey, foul. That, that fool is so funny. He wants to be super quiet, but when it, when it comes to getting a foul, he yells. I will say this, though. He talks on D, and you can hear it, and I love that. I need my players that I coach to listen to that. Talking on D. Everybody wants to be silent like you're in a classroom these days. You got to talk on D. Everybody, put, pick up basketball, men's league. I don't care what you're playing, rec league, talk on D, fools, especially when you're playing man. Kawhi Leonard is playing at such a high level, I can't even emphasize it enough, I'm just blessed that we get to watch this every night, I just hope I get to watch it when it counts, because it's truly special, you will not be able to accurately assess his impact watching the box score, because he's not scoring as much as other guys, because one, he doesn't need to, and he's going to get penalized for it, because everybody loves stats, and two, We've been blowing teams out in the fourth. So he's got to, he's had to sit. Shout out to my mod. Bones got busy. He posted a graphic or like the list of minutes in the fourth quarter this season for the Clippers. And there were plenty of guys above Kawhi on our team. So that tells you we haven't had to, part of it's his rotation. Like he plays the whole third, which I have been critical of in the past. I prefer him playing the whole fourth, but I get the thought process, get him some rest before the final stretch. I'd rather him get some rhythm before the final stretch, but if it's working, it's okay thing is, he he hasn't been needed as much in the fourth because Harden, like for example in this game, what a way that he shut the door. By the way, Zubat, some really good contests in that third quarter and drop coverage. Russell Westbrook, though, he came in and was just shooting too many threes, bricking, and when he missed that dunk after he dropped Jay Rich, by the way, Jay ugh, I don't want to call him Jay Rich, Josh Richardson. Jay Rich is Jason Richardson. He dropped him and he missed the dunk. He just took off from a little too far away, I think. Um, back in the day, give it four years ago, Russ would have thrown that shit down so hard. It's unfortunate that he misses so many shots at the rim, and he was just taking too many threes and playing erratic, in my opinion. We went down 72 to 71 at one point in the beginning of that fourth, and the crowd was getting really into it. And I was like, man, honestly, I love Russ, but we gotta get him out of this game. Like, it's not his night. So Paul George came in with 10 minutes and five seconds left in the fourth, and I wanna just read the minutes in the second half for you. Russell Westbrook, he only played six minutes in the in the second half out of 24. So that tells you that Tyloo didn't trust him in this one. And honestly, I can't really blame him. But ugh, we got to find a way to not have to play James Harden this much. I think Russ is definitely, like, here's the crazy part. This game, okay, fine. You give James Harden 41 minutes because Russ is having a stinker. You want to get the win? Sure. 42 minutes if you round up. But like a game, like tomorrow against Atlanta, they can't play D. I think Russell Westbrook might be able to have his way with their guards. If we can play James Harden a little bit less, that would be good. He's been playing a lot and he hasn't missed a game. Like I know the All-Star race coming up and he didn't make it. So he's not going to be able to, you know, he's going to get some rest. But we got to manage him for the long haul. We've seen him get burned out. We've seen Jay, Draymond Green go on TNT and say, we know James is going to get tired. Again, a lot of that was with the ball pounding and the way he was playing for D'Antoni. But he's older now. He's not in the shape that he was with D'Antoni and all that, Houston Harden. So I still want to preserve him. Anyway, I thought it was those threes he made were absolutely huge. The sidestep to his left, which you're starting to see a little bit more of. He's always got the sidestep to his right. but That sidestep to his left has been going a little bit more lately. And he had that four-point play on the right wing. And then PG had a great sequence where he blocked Jaime Jaquez and then hit a three off the defense loading up a James off of James Harden because James Harden had gotten hot. So Harden only sat two minutes and six seconds in the second half, but it was enough to get the job done. And as I said, kind of poetic that he did it in front of Riley who wanted nothing to do with him. So James Harden bounced back from a horrible game against Detroit and against Washington. He was decent as well, but he's been... He's had some rough shooting games recently. Let me just take a look at his game log real quick for James. So yeah he was you know he was good against Washington. It was the game before that against Cleveland he wasn't good. he was three for eight and he didn't get shots off really. Boston he was two for 11. then Toronto he was excellent. he had that triple double. Uh, Lakers he was good. then Brooklyn he was good. So he had three good games after the OKC game which we won which he wasn't that great. He had two bad games in a row it was the OKC game and at Minnesota. And, but then after he responded with a couple of good ones, he's just had some more bad shooting games lately, but this was a great bounce back for him. So let's read the lines. Clippers pulling away in this one, 103-95. The Heat had a little fake run at the end, but nothing that concerned me at all. And far As far as Miami, like their offense is just not good enough. And I know they were missing Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and that contributes to it. And we have to see give them some more time with Terry Rozier, but... Jimmy Butler, like they need him to produce offensively, or they really just aren't good enough. Like they really need a lot from him, and I don't think that in the regular season he takes that responsibility like he should. He coasts, and and that's not acceptable, really, if you want to win a championship. I think he just they have, you know, he 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 turns it on in the playoffs like that, and it's fine, but that's not the way to win a championship. And there's gonna be probably some Heat fan that watches this if they do and says, "What do you know about winning a your championship? You're a Clipper fan, Heat." Uh, Went eight deep in this game. Kevin Love played 15 minutes. He played less than all of them. He had six points, seven rebounds, three assists, two turnovers, uh, and 15 minutes of play on two for four shooting, and all those shots were threes. Jaime Jaquez, he had a rough one in this game shooting the ball. Seven points, four rebounds, four assists, three turnovers, though, on three for 11 shooting and one for three from deep. There was one sequence where he missed two layups, I believe, on the same possession, and I was like, wow. So he didn't have a very good game. Caleb or Haywood Highsmith played 27 minutes. I was impressed with his defense. Five points, three rebounds, one steal on two for five shooting and one for three from deep. And then Caleb Martin off the bench, pretty solid game for him. I'd say 11 points, four boards, two assists and a steal on five for nine shooting and zero for two from three. The heat three point shooting has been just like it was last year in the regular season. Not good. And of course, without hero and Robinson, it's going to hurt. 8 for 30 from 3 for Miami. They shot 42% from the field, 27 from 3, 92 from the line, though, 11 for 12. But you got to give credit to the Clipper defense. It's been slacking lately. I think when Kawhi called everybody out after the game against Detroit, saying we need to be better defensively, they seemed to listen because in this one they brought it. But I think part of it is the Heat's offense isn't great. Josh Richardson played 33 minutes. He had 14 points, three rebounds, four assists, no turnovers on six for 13 shoot, shooting, but was two for eight from three. So good shot shooting from the field, not good from three. Terry Rozier already mentioned him. Bam Adebayo 14 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, three steals, two turnovers on five for 13 shooting. Four for four from the foul line. Five for 13 shooting. We'll take that. Got to give credit to guys like Paul George who were switched on to him sometimes. Mason, Zoo, good job collectively as a team. And Jimmy Butler didn't shoot very well either. He had 21 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, a turnover in which Kawhi poked the ball away from him. Eight for 19 from the field. Two for five from three. He's actually been shooting well from three this year. Three for three from the line. So just not good enough from any of them really. Then for the Clippers, we went nine deep. Westbrook got less minutes than anyone. Five points, one rebound, two assists, and a steal. Three turnovers on two for nine shooting, one for four from three, and didn't shoot any free throws. So again, didn't follow the rule. He was one for three, and he shot the fourth one, and of course he missed. Clippers shot 44% from the field, but we shot 14 less shots than the Heat. 41% from three, so that's part of the big reason we won. We made eight more threes than them, 16 for 39, and 86% from the foul line. We shot 10 more free throws than them, 19 for 22. So 10 more free throws. They shot 14 more shots. We were able to make more threes, and yeah, we actually made less shots, but we made more threes. So Russ, rough game, but it's okay. He'll be back. We still won. 18 minutes for Zoo. Already mentioned his stat line, just four points, three rebounds. Terrence Mann, on the quieter side in this game, but I thought he was pretty good. Seven points, five rebounds, one assist, three for five from the field, one for two from three, so we'll take that. And then we had the Brewmaster, who was, again, really solid in his minutes. Good defense. He's hitting that mid-range. Five points, three rebounds, one steal, one block, on two for three shooting, made his only three in 23 minutes of play. And then Norman Powell, I haven't even mentioned him like that, continues to be exceptional, just making shots from all over the floor, quickly off the catch. 16 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 2 for 7 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line. He has just been magnificent this season. And then you have Mason Plumlee, who played 26 minutes. He had 5 points, 9 rebounds, 2 of them offensive, on 1 for 2 shooting in 26 minutes. That one basket came on a nice pass from Kawhi Leonard that was created by a hockey assist from Paul George. And then we got to talk about Paul George, who had a rough shooting game because he was just shooting a lot of jumpers. A lot's being made of, is he healthy, is he not? Nah, he is healthy. He, I mean, he may not be 100%, but he's not, I don't see it. I don't see where, my eye test does not tell me he's doing anything out of the ordinary. He is settling for jumpers like he always does, but he's still playing good defense. If he was really injured and it was, groin was really hurting him, I think I would notice that he wouldn't be good on defense, but he was very good on defense, in my opinion, especially second half. And he's just settling for jump shots, and he missed. Like that's what he does. That's why he is kind of, you know, can disappoint relative to his talent. 15 points, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, four turnovers for PG on three for 13 shooting, three for 10 from three. So there you go. When you shoot 10 threes out of 13 shots and you go cold, you're gonna like, like that's. If you're telling me the injury is why he's not going to the basket, are you serious? He settles all the time, like. So I'm not going to buy that, although it is a contributing factor. Your groin definitely affects that step. Clippers turned the ball over 17 times in this game, which is way too much. And they still won because the Heat's offense can really be so putrid, Um, especially without that off-ball threat that Duncan Robinson can be. Harden, you can argue he was the player of the game. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers, though. He was a plus 10. 7 for 13 from the field, 5 for 9 from 3. So, again, it comes down to the 3-ball falling. I've been saying that since before we got him. But there were games where he was getting by guys left and right. So he still wasn't really getting by guys like that in this game, but his 3-ball was falling, so it made things easy. 2 for 4 from the foul line, which is rare for him, but he played 42 minutes, which is a lot. I thought he was fantastic, though. And then Kawhi, my player of the game, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, Three turnovers, though, which is too much. I thought we could have been better when Kawhi got double-teamed and moving the ball a little faster or taking the open shots when they were there. We hesitate on that sometimes. He shot 50% from the field in three and made all six of his free throws. Eight for 16 from the field, three for six from three in 35 minutes. Clippers win it 103-95, to win the fourth quarter 34-28. Kawhi Leonard was simply great. That's it for the Clipper game. Now we're going to be talking about Lakers-Knicks. Now, let's talk about the Lakers and the Knicks. Primetime game, ABC Saturday. I had to watch the day after. But it was an interesting game. Now, the Knicks, they are very shorthanded. They did not have OG Ananobi. They did not have Julius Randle. They did not have Quentin Grimes. So, And, of course, they're already without Mitchell Robinson. Lakers got LeBron back from the load management. They got AD back from his two-game absence. And uh, the only people that they didn't have were Vando, who was going to be out maybe the whole season with the foot injury, which is so unfortunate then Reddish, and of course, Vincent. So we had AD guarding Isaiah Hartenstein, LeBron guarding Precious Achua, who started in place of Randall, Reeves guarding Brunson, D'Lo guarding DiVincenzo, and Rui on Isaiah Hartenstein. And then on the other side, we had Hartenstein guarding AD, Precious on LeBron, Brunson on Reeves, Hart on Rui, and Divincenzo on D'Angelo Russell, and it was interesting. You know, the Lakers were letting everybody guard Brunson except D'Lo, who they had to hedge and recover on the screens. And then Hart was switching with Divincenzo on the. They've tried to make Rui uh, D'Lo Rui pick and roll. Lakers did a little pick and pop, and they switched that with Josh Hart and Divincenzo. It was as neck and neck a game as you could imagine. There was like so many lead changes, and the score after the first quarter was. 27 to 25 Lakers. I want to see if I can find how many lead changes there were. Okay, the largest lead for the Lakers was 9. The largest for the Knicks was 8. They don't give me lead changes on the ESPN breakdown, but, man, it was a wild game. Wild. Just back and forth, neck and neck. And, yeah, there was a tie game at halftime at 59. In the second quarter, I noticed Malachi Flynn hedging on the screens in LeBron. They did not let him switch. Uh, but the Knicks lineup without Brunson, they had like no shot creation uh, at all. Brunson had 17 points in the first half, um, and it was very impressive. Just his one-on-one bag, his back-to-basket game against guards. He has turnarounds over both shoulders. I love how he isos inside the arc, as opposed to a lot of these other point guards that all start their isos outside the arc. Um, and he's a three-level scorer, too. He's just been playing so well. His footwork is great. His touch is so good. His floaters. I'm super impressed with Jalen Brunson. I think he absolutely should be top seven or eight in the MVP conversation. Uh, he's been fantastic. LeBron was also hot in terms of, you know, shot the ball well. 12 points in the first half. AD was quiet offensively, but he was good when he had the ball. D'Lo had 14 points, but he was not shooting very well. And then as far as the Nick defense, they had Hardenstein and Sims in drop coverage. Um, and then Austin Reeves. I thought this was one of his better games in a long time, decision-making-wise. And going back to the Austin Reeves that I thought was a very good player last year, which was one that made good decisions in the pick and roll. Not just the guy that came in and shot hunted, shot too many threes, and is always looking to ISO and be a black hole on offense. I think that Austin Reeves now, or in this, these last two games, he's done a great job of adapting to the situation. They needed him to be super aggressive against Boston, and he was, and he was amazing. And in this game, I thought he made the best reads in the pick and roll that he's made in a while. And I tell you what, the stat line backs it up. 22 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Two blocks, only one turnover. So seven assists to one turnover. Six for 13 from the field. Three for six from three. Seven for eight from the foul line in 39 minutes. I thought Austin Reeves was amazing in this game. Making all the right plays, making huge passes. That one left-handed pass he threw baseline to Torian Prince was amazing. And speaking of which, Torian Prince. He was impressive. The way those two played in the fourth quarter was just amazing. I mean, I was so impressed. And it was after the Knicks had taken a six-point lead. You know, Jalen Brunson was going off. Uh, AD had that sick double block, by the way. And there was a lot of Laker fans in the crowd, as there always are everywhere. But, man, great atmosphere in this game. But Jalen Brunson, AD on defense, Jalen Brunson on offense, it was a show. And LeBron James, I thought that the way he commanded the fourth, ah, that's an exaggeration, but the way he set the tone in the fourth in the beginning... Was huge. Third quarter, the Knicks outscored the Lakers 27 21, had a six point lead heading into the fourth, and in the fourth quarter, it was all Lakers. 33 to 19 in the fourth it started with a 9-0 run all LeBron Reeves LeBron pick and roll with LeBron as the roller LeBron catches it left-handed layup then he had an assistant transition to a Torian Prince three that led to a 5-0 run which caused the Knicks to call timeout and then they came back off the timeout and LeBron had a beautiful fall away going to his left and LeBron was hitting that fadeaway fall away really nicely um I was impressed with his performance. And I thought his defense was really good too. Backside rim protection, uh, guarding when he needed to. And he had that really impressive one on one defensive possession against Brunson. So I got to give LeBron credit. And I think it just, it's very, really, if you're a Laker fan, this is very frustrating, you know, seeing the way the team is capable of playing. Effort wise, on a night to night basis, whenever they play against big teams on national television, they play hard. I would love to see what the Lakers' national television record is. That would be an interesting exercise before basketball and Figueroa tomorrow, before I record, because it's really insane the way that they play like a totally different team. That's two really good wins in a row after playing against, after not even trying against Atlanta and Houston. They're now 26 and 25 after this win, back over 500. They won it 113 to 105, and it started with them double teaming Jalen Brunson over and over again. And you gotta give Jalen Brunson credit. The, the attention that he's drawing just shows how much of a star he really is now. But it was unfortunate they didn't have Grimes, they didn't have Randall, they didn't have OG. It really hurt. Because President Chua, Josh Hart, DiVincenzo, these were the next guys that they needed to create and make shots, and that's just not ideal. So it was really working for the Lakers, and they started doubling. LeBron was huge in the fourth. AD was changing and altering so many shots. And Reeves and Torian Prince, I mean, I got to look at their fourth quarter stats. LeBron had six points in the fourth. Reeves had 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block in the fourth. And he played the whole quarter. LeBron also played the whole quarter. Torian Prince played the whole, whole quarter and had nine points. So they had a total of 23 points in the fourth between the two of them. Reeves and Prince had 23 points in the fourth. The Knicks had 19 in the fourth. So there you go. Huge win for the Lakers. 113-105 to 105 is the final. Anthony Davis was amazing. And LeBron hit a huge shot after a big Austin Reeves three to put the Lakers up by nine. Huge win for the Purple and gold. Uh, the Knicks dropped to 32-18, and 18, and that snaps their nine-game winning streak. That all-ball Fabian didn't flee, and then we're going so crazy about. Knicks are 18-6 this season at MSG, and they're still playing really good basketball, but they need OG on Anobi back because Randall's going to be out for a bit. They need OG back. Grimes will not hurt either. Lakers went nine deep. Christian Wood only played seven minutes and had a donut. was really quiet. That's a little surprising. Jackson Hayes. I thought he played really well again. Double-figure points in just 13 minutes. 10 points, 3 assists on 3-for-3 shooting. 4-for-5 from the foul line, so very active. And then Rui played 19 minutes. Pretty quiet, but 7 points, 4 rebounds. I thought he was pretty good. 3-for-5 from the field, his only 2 misses being open threes. 1-for-2 from the foul line. And then you had Max Christie, who I thought was really solid in his minutes. Both ends of the floor. Had 2 blocks. One of them was a really nice one. I forget who he was guarding at the point of attack. And then made both of his shots. Six points, one rebound, one dime, two blocks on two for two shooting in 26 minutes. Very impressed with his performance. And then Torian Prince, so I guess he's coming off the bench now. And that may be. um, That might be big time. That might be big time. Because Torian Prince, I've been saying he's more of a bench player. So. Yeah, I like that he's found that for the Lakers. I think it's better that he's in that role. 16 points, two rebounds, two assists for him on 6-for-10 shooting and 3-for-6 from 3 in 33 minutes of play. And then the starting lineup, D'Angelo Russell. You know, the Lakers went away from him because that lineup of LeBron, AD, Reeves, Prince was doing so well. So they were okay with going away from D'Lo, and it was working for them. Uh, D'Lo had 16 points, 4 assists on 5-for-14 shooting, 2-for-7 from 3 and 4-for-4 from the line. And then Austin Reeves, I already mentioned his stat line. He was fantastic. Then AD, 12 points, but man, how big an impact he had with those 12 points. I can't even tell you. 12 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 4 blocks, and the amount of shots he altered was crazy. No turnovers. 4-for-12 from the field. Over 1 from 3, 4 for 4 from the line in 36 minutes. He was incredible, but I got to go with LeBron for my player of the game. I just thought he did a great job commanding that fourth quarter, but you could argue as AD. LeBron had 24 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals and a block. One turnover on 10 for 19 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line in 40 minutes. As far as the Knicks, they had four starters that played 40-plus minutes. The only one was Isaiah Hardenstein, who was in foul trouble, that only played 33. He had 6 points and 15 boards on 2 for 9 shooting. There were two point-blank layups he missed in the fourth quarter. That was big time. And then Brunson had 36 six rebounds and 10 assists. 36, 6, and 10. 15 for 31 shooting for him. 1 for 6 from 3 in 45 minutes. DiVincenzo at 26, 6, and 4. 26 points, 6 boards, 4 assists up on 10 for 22 shooting. 6 for 16 from 3. Lakers shot 49% from the field in this game, 39% from 3, and 85% from the line. So really good shooting splits all around for the Lakers. For the Knicks, 41% from the field, 41 for 100. So they shot 20 more shots than the Lakers, but 12 less free throws. That's wild. 10 for 35 from three. 29%. So there you go. Big win for the Lakers. Their defense was huge. 113-105. The Lakers not doing too bad on their Grammy road trip. Clippers are 4-1 on it. No, 5-1 on it. Lakers, uh, one of the mods. Let me know uh, what the Lakers record is on the road trip. They lost to Atlanta. They lost against Houston. They beat Boston. They beat New York. They have another one? That's four games I counted. So they're two and two on the road trip. Three and two. Thank you, Raid. So three and two on the road trip for them. Clippers are five and one. One more game left. Now to the live subscribers, before we talk about the African and Asian Cup. All right, now it's time to talk briefly about the Asian Cup quarterfinal: Iran versus Japan. Listen, you know the road has to go through Japan. You know it. They're the big, biggest team in Asia in terms of like in their recent history in tournaments. Obviously, knocked Germany out basically of the last World Cup. And you knew it was a game that we were going to have to play a little more defensive. In these other games, you know, you're playing United Arab Emirates, you're playing. Hong Kong, you're playing Palestine. Of course, Iran's going to be on the attack, but this is a game where we're going to be more similar to what we do in World Cups, which is, you know, play defensive, get ready for the counter, wait for opportunity to strike. Tarami was out with the red card that he got, so not having our best player for a game of that magnitude was made me very nervous. We didn't start Gholizadeh, which I thought was shocking because of the way he played in, when he came on as a sub against Syria. And so that made me nervous. I don't think Gayedi started either, but it was so early in the morning. I don't even remember if Gayedi started. But first half, we went down 1-0. I was pretty nervous. I was like, man, we have to find a way to score. What a goal, though, by Mohebi. By the way, Ozmoon, we've been waiting for him to have a great game in a tournament. And he finally did. Finally. Had that disallowed goal, it would have been so sick if he had scored that. But... That cut, that beautiful pass he had on the goal, the assist, was awesome. It's finally great that we had him perform in a big game for Iran. And then I was just shocked at how bad Japan was in terms of the second half. I mean, they had some controversial decisions, too, in terms of, like, not starting Mitoma and all that. I can't speak on the Japan perspective because I don't watch all their games. But... I mean, the mistakes, they were just giving the ball away at the back. Like, it was clear the plan is to get physical with them. You know, Iran's bigger than them. You know, the Japanese team is on the shorter side, shorter, quicker. But the way we were able to bother them and they were just making mistakes, it felt like we completely stole the game. I mean, getting that penalty last minute in stoppage time and Jahan Bash, the way he fired that shit in, oh, my God. It felt too good to be true. Like, it truly felt like we stole the game. But in the second half, they were so bad. Like, I I can't say anything about it. They were so bad, but we really did it. We really beat Japan. We are going to the semifinals of the Asian Cup, and we knocked out the big boys. People, you don't understand. This would be... Iran has not won the Asian Cup since 1976. We have never won in my time. And far before, this would be as big a title for me as the Super Bowl win that the Rams had, as the King Stanley Cup, as Chelsea winning the Champions League. Uh, it is. It would be huge. I can't emphasize how big it would how big it, it would be for me. Oh. I would like, just seeing my dad's face, you know, that's the biggest part about when Iran plays. When you see his reaction, you see how proud he looks. We beat Japan. Like, we were really right there. So now it's South Korea versus Jordan in the semifinal. I think South Korea is going to beat them. And then us versus Qatar, who's hosting. So that's going to be big. They're the only other team that's won every single one. Um, we need to beat them. And I think we will. I really think we will. Going to the final would be insane. You don't want to see my reaction if we win the Asian Cup. It's going to be crazy. I can Ah! You won't believe what I'm going to do if we win the Asian Cup, dude. Uh, you don't know how many you're going to get in your life. It's every four years. And with my mom, my dad still with me, you know, and they're not old or anything like that, but the fact that they're still here with me would be really special if we won. Because um, you just never know who you're going to have in your life and you're going to lose in four years' time. So... This be so big, man. Two games away. One game away from the final. We beat Japan. We gotta go. This is a perfect chance. You're not gonna get a better chance than this. We get our Star Striker back next game. Like, come on. And okay. So then the African Cup, right? Big win by Nigeria. And I'm very happy for DR Congo. That's the team I'm rooting for to go all the way. As I always say, DR Congo has big representation in the NBA. Um, but I also just I'm a fan, you know? Uh, but I, got some, I got a couple of people I know with the Congolese background, so I'm rooting for them. Uh, they got a big win. And then South Africa won on penalties against Cape Verde. Cape Verde, it was such a great story for them. I thought they were going to go to the semis, but they didn't. And then the Ivory Coast-Mali game was insane because Mali had a man advantage for an hour. And Ivory Coast scored two goals One of which was in the stoppage time. And the crowd, remember, they're the home team. They're hosting the event. The crowd was going ballistic. Like, it was sick. Absolute scenes. So, I'm happy for Ivory Coast. The three teams that I was saying I wanted to win after Morocco and uh, Senegal got knocked out, Nigeria, DR Congo, and uh, Ivory Coast are all remaining. So, I hope one of them wins. No offense to South Africa. But I'm thinking, see what the matchup is. I'd be forgetting what the matchup is and when the games are. Okay, Nigeria is playing against South Africa on Wednesday at 9 a.m. I hope Nigeria wins. And then Ivory Coast, DR Congo, two big-time West African teams at noon on Wednesday. I'm hoping DR Congo wins. I wouldn't be mad about Ivory Coast, but I'm hoping DR Congo wins. I'm really hoping Nigeria gets to the final because the hype with Nigeria getting there would just be sick because they have so many people. So I'm excited. The African Cup is so full of surprises. It's crazy that none of these teams are in the World Cup, so it just shows the depth of Africa. Um, But yeah. Last thing, the World Cup venues were announced today for 2026. And oh boy, we got to talk about them. The opening game of the 2026 World Cup is going to be at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. And you know what? It is absolutely the right decision because Estadio Azteca that atmosphere is going to be insane for the first game. Like, USA, like let's be real. like It would be a great game wherever we host it. But are you telling me it's going to be more lit than Estadio Azteca for Mexico? Hell no. Hell no. It's going to be insane. So I'm pretty happy for them. Mexico, I guess, is going to get Group A, right, if they're getting the opening game. I would assume that means that they're getting Group A. But they haven't made the groups. But the venues are officially announced. Azteca, MetLife, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, so Cowboy Stadium, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, NRG Stadium in Houston, Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, Los Angeles, California, Lincoln Financial in Philly, Lumen Field or CenturyLink in Seattle, Levi's up north in Santa Clara, San Francisco, Gillette in Boston, Foxborough, Hard Rock in Miami, BC Place in Vancouver, Estadio BBVA in uh, Monterey in Mexico, and then Guadalajara, 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 Uh, Estadio Akron, Uh, Akron, (laughs) Toronto BMO Field. So those are the hosts, uh, the host stadiums. But Estadio Azteca is hosting the opening game. SoFi Stadium is hosting the first USA game. Can you believe it? I'm in awe. Los Angeles, we're hosting the first USA game of the World Cup, and guess what, if I'm alive, and, over, uh, and I, I'm hoping I will be, I should be, we will be there no matter what, and you're going to catch the vlog on this channel, opening game of the World Cup of the USA, right here in LA, and guess who the second game is, S- uh, Seattle. So I, that's an easy trip. My aunt lives in Seattle. I can easily go to that second game. And then guess what the third game is? Right back here in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. It is going to be absolutely electric. Oh, my God. I can't wait. We also got a quarterfinal game. So that's absolutely huge. I'm also forgetting that there's going to be a round of 32 in this World Cup. And let me just say this. The decision to go to 48 teams, I had a problem with that first. I thought that 36 teams was perfect. But let me just say this. They changed it from the proposed initial format, which was going to be an absolute nightmare, of 16 groups of three, which is terrible. That would mean that you only play a guarantee of two games in a World Cup. So you wait four years and go through all that qualifying process for two games? Hell no. What they did was made it the logical choice, 12 groups of four. So now we just get more games. And you know what? I got no problem with that. More games, more countries, which gets more people in the world involved and just makes the tournament the best sporting event in the world even bigger and better. So I'm so excited. Round of 32, we got a game there at SoFi. Two of them. And guess what? We will be there no matter what. You already know. It's going up for these tournaments, man. Olympics 2028, bust down into a dome. World Cup 2026 here in the United States. Copa America this summer in the United States. Are you kidding me? We will be there no matter what. That's the end of this live. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. Stay safe here in Los Angeles. The flood, man. Oh, my God, that rain. It's got to die down in the middle of this live. But it is raining. Hallelujah. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. Have a good night, everybody. Go Clippers. Go any team you support. That's Los Angeles. And we are hosting a World Cup opening game with USA. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Peace.